Today, we are kicking off our all new series called Uncut Gems. No, we are not discussing the Adam Sandler movie. An uncut gem. What is it anyway? It's 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 a an item that is rough around the edges, slightly unrefined, but in no way less spectacular. You are gonna get some uncut gems that that perhaps you've never heard of, and 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 we are excited to share them to uncover some of these incredible uh, pieces of work by by superstars in comics that that have gone unnoticed, that have been left behind. By, by Mr. Todd McFarlane, by legendary superstar Frank Miller. We are going to start uncovering these uncut gems with you today on an all-new episode of Observations. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. Observations is where we discuss and and dissect and celebrate all things comic books, superheroes, comic book creators, superhero movies, streaming, cartoons, video games, toys. They all have their place. They all make their way through this podcast, which takes you from my journey with comic books as a kid, seven years old, 1974. That sounds like caveman times to, 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 to many of the young people of the day. But it 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 uh it perfectly illustrates this this podcast my absolute love and adoration for comics and as I said the comic book creators that 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 gave you these incredible stories that then get adapted into these giant productions and and then they go on to be these huge blockbuster successes like like Endgame and and uh, and Dark Knight and and everything in between. So my career has been solely in comic books. I have never had a job professionally for the last 39 calendar years. Start 86, start counting. You're going to get to 39. That's how long I've been doing this. I love it. It is my absolute passion. I have been fortunate enough to give you characters, uh, X-Force, Deadpool, Cable, Domino, helped start a little startup comic book company that went on to be and stay the third largest comic book publisher in the comic book industry, Image Comics, along with uh, my, my, my fellow peers at the time, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Jim Valentino, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, Will Spartaccio. Little did we know the absolute revolution that we had started. And so there's, there's so much history to be shared from there as well. So thank you for joining us as well. The, the, the discussions, uh, we, we try and keep them as lively and as interesting as possible. And I am just going to tell you, I had not checked any of our reviews in, in so long, and I was overwhelmed. You guys have been just so generous and so supportive of the show. And I think I'm going to re- read, read a couple of them earlier today than, rather than later, try and change it up a little bit. Um, we have a fun topic today. Uh, b- b- been looking to bring the focus in to, to this arena of comic books and we're going to call it uncut gems and we're going to we're going to tell you why it's called uncut gems uh, uh gems a little bit later but I, I sure do appreciate the way that you have all shown up and and continue to listen and support this show and i'm just going to tell you last week was a whopper i i, I i'm i'm going to kind of share with you uh it was it was an up and down roller coaster 
absolute uh, emotional whopper. If, if I don't, I don't um, know what, which order that you are going to listen to the podcast. If you jump around, if you do different episodes, but if you come along the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Rise of the Guardians, spotlighting Jim Valentino's incredible uh, run, you know, nearly nearly three years on that book. So much, uh, just so much work and 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 attention paid to to him crafting this success out of a group of characters that Marvel had not given a showcase to in over 15 years. Uh, d- during that time, Jim Valentino, writer, artist, Jim Valentino, during the time that I am giving you the podcast, not the time of his run, during that time, Jim is uh, in the hospital. And, and I, in between episodes, became aware of this and was able to speak to Jim prior to the second part of Rise of the Guardians. And I'm going to tell you, my emotions did absolutely get the best of me. And, and that led to an abrupt end. I, I'm not sure I've ever kind of just, you know, turned the faucet off like, like we did on that episode. But it was just what, what had been said in, in, uh, in, in celebration of his career and his body of work. And, and there's more to come because, you know, his story did not end uh, with Guardians. And as I told you, he didn't start there either. It started with, with his normal man work and myth adventures. And then, Guardians of the Galaxy and all of his Marvel work, and 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 th- there'll be stuff on Shadowhawk and and the work that he did, and and all of the incredible, uh, li- literally as a publisher, so so many successes that that he had while he was at the helm with Image Comics. But uh, you know, suddenly you you realize your subject. Now I I understood he was sick, but but and I, I was monitoring his online you know, back and forth and hoping that he was, you know, going to get to the other side. For many of you who have asked, so prior to my speaking with Jim uh, last week, back in July is the last time that he and I had had our our back and forth. And because again, this is going to answer a lot of questions that, that I've been given, uh, been getting from you guys, because because I uh, normally at every episode, I tell you where you can reach me on social social media, whether it's uh, X slash the artist known as Twitter, formerly known as Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And so many of you guys reached out. So many of you guys asked questions that I thought were really great and really interesting and really insightful. And I can answer one of you, one of them right now. Uh, last, last summer, last July of 2023, uh, CB Sobolski, who, who is a giant Jim Valentino fan, the, the work that he had done at Image, is, uh, I'm sorry, the work that Jim did at Marvel, the Guardian stuff, is, is stuff he's particularly fond of. CB contacted me and said, hey, Rob, because he had already asked me, CB had asked me to do, uh, to contribute to Deadpool 7 Slaughters, which came out at the end of last year. It's a killer, uh, big, nice, juicy, uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's like 60, maybe 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 65 page uh, Dead Deadpool, maybe maybe bigger. It, it is it is a packed, thick uh, edition of of seven different Deadpool stories. And of course, uh, I, I I did a story. Uh, Wolves Portacio uh, did a story. It, really fun anthology of Deadpool stories. They had already asked or floated out to Jim to to be a part of it if if he wanted to write a Deadpool story. And so CB reached out and said, Hey Rob. Uh, given that you're already on this and that you are friends with Jim, could you maybe talk to him and give him an extra nudge? And I mean, that happens in this business. That happens in every asset. Come on, in every aspect 
of 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 any business is you try and get uh, maybe a, a fellow peer, a buddy, uh, you know, to, to nudge somebody in, in a right in a right direction. And so I contacted Jim, and then he had told me that they were talking to him in a, in a completely different portal about doing a, about revisiting Guardians. The bummer about the gym thing is he said, Rob, I'll do it, but only if it's a Deadpool story that you draw with me. And at the time, I just, for, especially for that book, I already, already was in the middle of doing my own story, and it was very sweet and very kind and very generous of Jim to put that um, stipulation on there, but I couldn't do it. And he said, I'm not interested in, unless you, you draw it. And then I, as I understand it, there was some headway made on him going back and forth generating something with guardians i'm not sure with where we'll see it but for the most part jim has told everybody as you know he's retired and he has absolutely been retired from the road uh doesn't get out doesn't do any appearances i know a few very fortunate uh uh how do you say is are they witnesses or facilitators of signed comic books they have gone and and met with jim personally in order to get him to sign guardians and the shadowhawk stuff and and, and his and, and all this stuff in his career, normal man as well, um, that, that, that they go and they do, you know, he has done a, he has welcomed some of the facilitators into his home for, for private signings, but he's not going back on the road. He retired from conventions and shows and appearances years ago. And as a matter of fact, if you listen to, it, it may have been two seasons back, I did an episode about how you're never going to see the image guys ever gathered together again. And, and that, that and that kind of, is going to tether into my next uh, kind of my next subject, my 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 next kind of event of the week. But so the the bottom line is, Jim is still sought out. His work is still desired by uh, the partners that he did work with. His creative partnership with Marvel. Um, I I my heart jumped, and and when going back and reading our exchanges, I mean, I really was. I was so excited. I, I thought Jim. Uh, could could uh, bang out a short story for Deadpool in no time, but he, like I said, had a stipulation. It was very kind. I, I just couldn't make it at the time. And of course, now I, I would, you know, it's it, new year, new time, new opportunities. I would love to do a Deadpool short story with Jim. And as I am saying this to you, it occurs to me that I need to tell him that because he made it safely home and was discharged from the hospital over the weekend. I'm not telling you anything that's terribly private because if you follow Jim on Facebook, he has already shared this with the masses, with the public. Here is the craziest thing. I am walking into a concert where I am about to see a fellow image founder uh, within a matter of minutes and and one of Jim's partners in Image Comics. And Jim texted me to say, hey, pal, just want to let you know I'm home and I'm doing well, and uh, and 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 so that was. I, I looked down at my phone as I was entering the fabulous forum in Los Angeles, about to go see the Eagles. But I'm getting slightly ahead of myself when when Jim gave me that text, and I was so relieved. Uh, Jim's extended family had uh, been been co- in contact with me. It was great to catch up and speak to Jim and the family last week. And, and again, I was I was terrified. I really did um, think things were most dire. And uh, I am certain because I've read so many of your comments that you gave Jim Valentino on Facebook as he publicly um, let, let you all know his his uh, situation. My favorite was, I think it was last Thursday, he put pictures of his breakfast that he was being served in the hospital. And he said, 
I'm not dead yet. I'm not dead yet. Like it was so Jim, so funny. I just, uh, it just, I knew there was fight in him. That's when I knew like this, this guy is fighting. And there are things that he said to me personally that had me falling off my chair. And I, I just know that Jim uh, had the fight in him. And so, so the bottom line is Jim is safely home. We're so excited. Uh, it, it's very strange when you're doing a podcast about someone who is dear to you and you have such fond memories and, uh, and then, then you find out they're, they're, you know, that they're in a fairly dire situation. The other thing that I wanted to, um, really focus on is, is that, that, that brought forth from the two episodes was the honesty of the audience. And you guys were always so great and so forthcoming. And a couple of you very earnestly, very earnestly said, Rob, Thank you for sharing the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff that Jim Valentino did with me because I had no idea he did a cosmic ghost rider first. I had no idea he had envisioned the mutants living on another planet like they were doing in the Krakoa. They were preparing to, to do in the Krakoa era. I didn't know Jim got there first. I didn't, people said, I didn't know that Jim introduced a daughter of Wolverine in, in Guardians. Her name was Rancor. In, in, obviously, years later, uh, somebody at Marvel thought, "Hey, let's let's follow through on that idea in Guardians of the Galaxy," and they gave you X twenty three. So 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 many of you uh, reached out, and then literally between that time and me talking into this microphone to you right now, that's what I love about, and this is what I absolutely love about social media. You guys are are, are showing me the trade paperbacks, the back issues, uh, all of the different formats. Some of you went and bought this stuff digitally, and you are. Uh, getting into this guardian stuff and, and you are going to have the biggest smiles on your face because like I said, I have gone over these issues. They are right to the right of me here. I, I have not put these trade paperbacks uh, back on the shelf since I broke, broke them out and flipped through them because I just love looking at the layouts and the page designs. And I often, you know, think, man, I would love to draw over that entire page with and just kind of do my own rendition i mean that's how we all got into comics right we were copying somebody else's work when we were trying to prepare for or doing our own work i mean i don't know anybody alex ross has shown you in his art of books how he was drawing uh, george perez drawings and he was copying the artist that he wanted to to emulate and, and 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 whose work had inspired him it's what we all have done we've all taken a drawing and and, and we've, I, I've seen Eric Larson do it in his childhood work. Todd McFarlane, I've seen myself. I've seen Jim, both Jims. So, so I know this is a thing, but I'm, I'm an adult, you know, with this, with this established career. And I still look at this, the layouts and stuff that I absolutely dig and go, oh man, I would love to kind of recreate and regenerate that same energy. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so glad that you are enjoying the Guardian stuff. It is so much fun. It is a giant romp. Uh, you, you, you cannot help but smile. The cosmic ghost rider stuff, space ghost rider, galactic ghost rider, whatever you want to call them. It's go, it's a, it's a ghost rider in space on a bike. It is, uh, the first iteration of that character, rancor, all that stuff. I would love to revisit that stuff. It's incredible. It's great. The ideas, the concepts, Jim is such an accomplished writer. So that pivots me to, uh, back to the fabulous form Saturday night. Uh, just so you know, I'm an old head, right? And 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 if you've known me and if you've talked to me and, and certainly everyone at Extreme Studios, anybody who's worked with me uh, since the 90s knows that like my head fell off my shoulders when the Eagles announced that they were going to get back together. And you're like, oh, Liefeld, that's so, I, I, trust me, 
I've heard it before. Oh man, that's so old. They're so, you know, vanilla. I, I pe- people, I, as I said to this person I'm about to bring up, I said, hey, yeah, they're my favorite band and I've been taking it on the chin, which is ridiculous because they're the best selling band of all time. But I understand you get up there, you, 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 you live at the top of the mountain, you get, you get the bullseye, you, you get the target on you. And people say, well, why are they? Why are they? So, so I've been there, done that with, with, with my passion of the Eagles. And I'm telling you right now, uh, we were not going to miss their last performance in Los Angeles. Now, yes, I have been to several of uh, Kiss's final performances. I have been to several of Stan Lee's final signings. I understand that sometimes an artist says it's final, then they feel a little better and they feel like they can keep doing it. And so it gets extended. So would I be surprised one iota that I am back next year watching another return to the forum as the Eagles uh, say, say, say goodbye again. No, I wouldn't, but this was on the calendar, their last date in Los Angeles. Joy and I have seen them about 10 times. Actually, I've seen them 10. Joy's seen them nine the last time before, prior to this because my kids have grown up with this music in, their, in the car. And you guys, trust me, the, from 1974 to 1980, the Eagles dominated the charts and they have so, so, so many hits way beyond uh, Hotel California, which is their one of their best, you know, uh, mo- mo- most successful songs. But they were the music of an age and certainly the sounds of Southern California. And Don Henley, the lead singer of uh, the Eagles, said, you know, we are uh, California. We, we are of, of Southern California, from South- Southern California. The DNA is, is in us. And he referred to the forum as their home court. This is their home court advantage. And he said they have played it over 40 times, 40 different dates. Uh, you know, have they played the forum? So Joy and I, we were there front row, second row, actually, Irvine Amphitheater, when they got back together, Hell Freezes Over. And I flipped out because in my head, I would never, ever get to see them live because they broke up when I was 12. And and they said that, you know, it'll be when Hell Freezes Over is when we're going to get back together. They ended up calling that, uh, the, the naming their tour that. And, and, and so... I'm just so thankful we saw the original iteration of the Eagles because in that 1994, hell freezes over. They were all back, and 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 so many of them were still alive. We have lost Glenn Fry. We have lost Randy Meisner. They the, the founding members of the Eagles are no longer with us. So now you get um and and we saw Glenn Fry's son Deacon Fry. I'm going to give you another little way that that this even gets crazier. The very first public screening with with like a test screening with a, with with fans that that could win seats for Deadpool in 2016 was the day that Glenn Fry died we were at the Century City Mall uh up up in LA and it was uh Stan was there if you've seen pictures of myself uh and 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 Tim Miller and Stan Lee and we're we're sitting in front of the screen afterwards taking Q&As and and Rhett and Paul are there this is just just an incredible day because that's when an actual group of comic book fans, knowing that they were going to see Deadpool, uh, showed up and exploded with excitement. This wasn't, I, I was on a test screening on the lot in late December in 2015, and that's a standard. People walked blindly in not knowing what they were going to see, but this was the first big fan screening. Ryan was doing one in New York simultaneously with the one that we were all doing in LA. Fox had done one on each coast. And right before we went in there, the news came over my phone that Glenn Fry, founding member of the Eagles, had passed. And I remember just dropping on the couch of the Starbucks that I was getting coffee before I was going into the screening and going, you know, Joy, Glenn Fry died. And 
look, he, he means that that name, that music means a lot to me, especially, you know, in his capacity with the Eagles, even though I loved his solo stuff. But I remember just going in there so completely bummed. And, and of course, the, the, the audience reacting as they did to Deadpool three hours later seemed to numb some of that. But then one year later, at Dodger Stadium, the Eagles would take the stage and Glenn Fry's son, Deacon Fry, was, 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 was making his debut. He looked like his dad. He sounded like his dad. And you could see the love that they all in the band had for him because they'd watched him grown up, grow up. And now he was taking the stage for the first time. He's a little nervous. You could, you could tell he had a little bit of the jitters, but he knocked it out of the park that night. He was fantastic. And then, of course, they had Vince Gill come in from what he had had an illustrious, uh, you know, singer songwriter career. And he joined to take the other, you know, kind of share the bulk of, of the responsibilities of all the Glenn Fry tunes. Why am I telling you about the Eagles all the time? I've been on record uh, in, in several interviews that I believe the original Image Comics, the founders, the partners, I have always often cited that they, I remind, Image Comics reminds me of the Eagles. Now, why not the Rolling Stones? Why not the police? Why not you two? Because Bono and Sting and Mick Jagger are the sole, you know, vocalists, solo, they are the, they are the, they are the lead singers of their band, their respective bands. Uh, that there is really not a number two singer in the the police. There's not a number two singer in in uh, in in U two. There are solo frontmen. I mean, just just there is a one guy fronting the band, Mick Jagger, Rolling Stones, killer band. All the other guys, amazing. Uh, but Mick is the soloist. With the Eagles, you have four guys through the time that they have been together. And trust me, there, there was a guy who, Don Felder, God bless you, man, what a great talent you are. He wanted to be the fifth soloist. But over time, you got Don Henley, you got uh, Glenn Fry, you got Timothy B. Schmidt, you got, uh, who, who was actually stepping in for Randy Meisner, and then you have Joe Walsh, who had his own kick-ass rock and roll career. And look, when we were there seeing them the other night, people came, uh, the, the, the phones went up as fast and as furious as I've seen them go up when Timothy B. B. Schmidt, uh, and that is his name, Timothy B. Schmidt, sings I Can't Tell You Why, his signature Eagles hit. And he was replacing Randy Meisner, and they both came from a band called Poco, which gets, gets it even crazier. But so so in the history, so, so you had Randy and Glenn and Don, and then later Joe Walsh, and then da- later Timothy B. Schmidt, and Timothy was replacing Randy. So anyway, so many names. Those guys sing their own songs have signature songs that you love from the best-selling band in the history of recorded music. They are the number one selling band. They edged out Michael Jackson. Those two were going back at it uh, for basically my entire youth. Michael Jackson regains the top. Eagles regain the top in terms of uh, you know units sold. If you don't believe me, go, go, go Google it. We'll wait here. You'll come back. You'll be like, damn, I, he, he wasn't kidding. Uh, so, so I think of, when I think of the Eagles, I think of this, uh, group of, of, of different frontmen cause they're all comfortable being the top guy, Joe Walsh, when he goes on and he sings his stuff, um, and he adds that extra flair with the guitar. He has his showcase, Glenn Fry, Don Henley between them and together, they have some of the best songs in the catalog, Meisner, Schmidt, they've got their own isolated songs. So you've got all these different lead singers. And I've always said, it creates tension. The Eagles, you know, didn't hold together. They didn't. They didn't stay together. And just like Image Comics, which what was it, ninety two? So about uh, 
eight, set, eight, first, first five to then seven years later, no Rob Liefeld, no Jim Lee. Uh, and, 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 and I've never really understood how Wills uh, came to, to, to fall out. I've never had that conversation with Wills. I, I, I've heard enough crazy different versions, but right from the bat. So, so you've got guys who fell out from the beginning and then at the five-year mark, at the seven-year mark, and, and then you, you, you had a much pared-down version, no less successful in their own right, but a pared-down version. So that is why I always make that comparison. Imagine me walking into the Fabulous Forum. We sit down. The, 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 uh, the opening act has just started. The, the, the lights have just gone down. And look, when I see the Eagles, I get, I get the good seats, man. So we're in the fifth row. And, and Joy's like, oh my gosh, are, the, are these the best seats we've had? I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, uh, with my daughter, I, I, we were in the eighth row. Um, look, I will go all in for a band I like. And uh, so bottom line, in between Steely Dan, they do their, 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 their hour long. They play for an hour. Great stuff. Uh, uh, reeling in, in the years. Hey 19, you know, all those great songs that they had. They had a number of big hits. Perfect uh, blend. They also played at the same uh, music festival at Dodger Stadium 2017 when the Eagles came out with Deacon Fry. And uh, so we, we, we've seen Steely Dan before. It's a good match. It's Yacht Rock. And in between the sets, this giant man stands up, this freaking giant of a man. And I, he is so, you know, instantly identifiable. And then, of course, his wife stands up and she is also so instantly identifiable. And I, he turned around and he looked at me and I'm waving furiously and he points and I'm looking at Mark Silvestri and Mark is waving back at me and we are smiling because how fun, what an incredibly fun venue to connect at. Uh, we, Joy and I, uh, exited the, the, the row and went down and pretty much uh, the bulk of the switch up time from Steely Dan leaving and, 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 uh, and the Eagles taking the stage, we just caught up. And, and uh, of course, Mark and I talked. Jim Valentino, we talked. Comic book art, uh, his Batman, what he's doing next. Can I tell you that he tickled my soul? He tickled my soul a little when, it, when, it, when he hugged me and, and, and he first said hi. He said, dude, that Thundercats cover. And I'm like, what is going on? And that may be a special uh, sidebar episode. But I was like, oh, thanks, man. He goes, you know, that looks great. I loved it because because that had been making the rounds this weekend. But we uh, so, so like you know we are always monitoring and watching each other. And, and and the first thing I asked Mark is what he was doing next. And he's got a bunch of top secret stuff that I can't share. But then we um, talked about the success of his Batman Joker series. And uh, man, so good to catch up. Bridget is a uh, very very uh, kind of uh, very accomplished. In, in uh, certainly her passion and love for animals, and we have an ailing dog in our house. Yes, I'm bringing Joe onto the podcast. Some people who who see me on on whatnot, uh, which is a, a a an app app that you go live stream, and I, and I share signed comics, signed art, all this other stuff on it. The people, the audience that I have on whatnot, they they hear my dog walking all around, and occasionally he's gone on camera. And look, he's an old dog. We, we, he's probably pegged at 17 years old. He's very old, and he's you know, we have been extending his life. Our vet has told us for the last six to seven months, I don't know how, his name is Joe. When we got him, we told him, uh, when we got him, they told us his name is Joe. And we just figured, we'll go with Joe. It's, 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 it's a fun name. We didn't come up with, 
Pookie or, or, or Chewbacca or some other weirdo name that I would have thrown on the dog. Uh, we just stayed with Joe. Joe has been a member of our family for the last eight years. He, uh, he was found in, uh, he was taken from a car. His uh, previous owner, was, there was a car wreck. The, the, the owner was dead. Joe was in the car. There, he definitely has had trauma. And we are, you know, doing, we had actually checked him into a, 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 the, the best pet hotel while we went and saw the Eagles. So, of course, Joy and Bridget caught up, talked animals. And Bridget gave us some really great insights, and and uh, and and we are absolutely going to be following some of the instructions that she gave us. So that was a great, amazing, awesome uh, opportunity to catch up, and it just felt like Image Comics old home week, and it really rang through to me seeing Mark. And look, if if you've uh, heard me on this show, Mark is a generational talent. His illustrating, uh, his his ability to draw is second to none, especially over the last 30, 35 years. He is a, an incredible artist, always pushing the envelope, whether he's doing a new rendering kind of uh, approach tick, uh, but his gestures, his drawings, his faces, he draws the most beautiful people, the most frightening, sinister, villainous uh, figures, monsters. Uh, he's just a guy that you go, man, if I could wake up and draw like him, please, yes, let's do that. Uh, he is just given all of us, myself included, so much entertainment. And when I shared the studio earlier earlier in my career with, with young Marat Michaels, before he broke out on his own with Brigade, and of course, many of you know him from Do You Poo, uh, which he's been uh, doing, I think, for probably the best, better part of a decade. Uh, Marat started out uh, as, his, as a teenager. He would come a couple days a week and, and be my assistant. He would erase pages, ink in, large areas of black on shadows and and he would transfer some of my which which uh, a lot of you know I draw small he would be the one that filled in the steps I draw the small pages he would xerox them up to 11 by 17 light table the pencils to the size that I needed them to be now I just literally print out my scans of those same things through my Epson printer it prints out on Bristol on blue line but he was the the blue line before the blue line but we used to just sit and talk and laugh and enjoy comic books so much. And Mark was one of the guys that we were so excited by. All of his X-Men stuff. The gestures. The, pretty, the, the prettiest women. The most handsome, chiseled men. So, so I, I remember. And, and, and in the fabulous form. I told. Uh, I, I got I, I to gotta put fabulous in, in, in front of that. If, 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 you're, uh, if you're wondering. It just feels right. The fabulous form. Again. Home of the uh, Showtime Lakers. And, and, and a million great musical acts. But. Uh, I told Mark about when I first met him as a fan in Chicago, when they had this, um, in the hotel, it was a ballroom show, but in side rooms in the hallway leading into the ballroom, they would put like 10 different artists in a giant like horseshoe up against the wall in the back. And, and in Chicago, uh, at, at the, uh, I think it was Ramada, I'm not sure what hotel it was at, but people, Bill Sienkiewicz was another guy. These rooms, these specific artist alley rooms had glass as they were up. Uh, the glass wall or, or the, 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 the back of the room was glass and it was sliding so you could access the pool because beyond all the artists, you're looking out at the pool. Mark came in one time, giant ripped Arnold Schwarzenegger level bodybuilding um, muscle. Yes, Mark was a bodybuilder, uh, uh, fitness guy uh, prior to him breaking in, but he was drawing Conan at the time. And I remember just sharing so excitingly, uh, just couldn't believe how tight his pencils were, how lush 
uh, the, 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 the renderings were. He had some, some originals. He had some really great 11 by 17 Xeroxes. But he also hit, but at that show, both himself and Bill Sienkiewicz, Bill Sienkiewicz, kid you not, shirt off, towel. Yeah, it came in to, to sign sunglasses, shirt off in Chicago, Chicago Comic Con. And uh, people who were there, they, they are other eyewitnesses. I could not have been the, the only one. I'm sure there were at least hundreds of people who witnessed this. But Mark was uh, just new to the scene. And, and so it was just fun catching up. Great seeing him. Great seeing Mark and Bridget. Great seeing both of you. And it just seemed like the perfect capper to a crazy image comics themed week where, you know, I was uh, kind of gripping from my buddy Jim Valentino and then ended the weekend talking about Jim with his partner and my former uh, founder, fellow founder, uh, Mr. Mr. Mark Silvestri, as we would see the Eagles, a team, uh, a team. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're super out. Uh, this incredible band that I have often compared Image Comics to for all the same reasons, competing uh, uh, egos, talent, clashes. It happened. It all happened. I watched it you know, unfold throughout the 70s when they finally broke up in, in, the, in the summer of 1980 and they split. And again, you know, you could see Don Henley, Joe Walsh, Timothy B. Schmidt, and uh, Glenn Fry went on to have successful solo careers when they weren't Eagles. These guys were super talented. When they come together, it's really great. It was great seeing Mark. It was great putting the cap on that image comics week. And just, uh, it was a super fun week shining the light on Jim. And then it got a little kind of emergency. Wow. Uh, this is going, this is crazy. And again, super happy Jim is home. Super happy Jim is, is reaching out and, uh, just on the mend. And so we're great, big, giant, awesome comic book community. And again, Guardians of the Galaxy on screen, not sure that ever happens unless Jim does his magic and gets, gets them back, uh, it, it, you know, gets them back up and running. So aside from doing all the Image Comics kind of former partners, founder stuff, I was making comics and I am going to be giving you a brand new comic from me. It's called The Last Blood. I talk about it here the most. I don't talk about it on social media as much. I talk about it here the most, but I may be able to offer this to you next week. I may have copies in hand. It is something that, it, that I've been putting together, doing on the side. And, and here's the deal. The second issue was originally the first issue. And then I pushed that off to make that, uh, you know, that <laughs> to make that the, the second issue. But that was originally the first issue. So once Last Blood Number one comes out. It'll be about six weeks before the second. And we have some surprises in store for you. But that occupied so much of my time last week. Caught up with Marvel. Uh, figured out exactly what I'm going to be doing the, uh, this next year. Rearranged some of the projects that I'm going to be bringing to you in the order that I'm going to be bringing them to you in. Uh, got some, some more cover gigs. And then, of course, as I told you guys, I had been holding on to waiting for the green light from Dynamite to bring you this rendition of the Thundercats, which I absolutely love. And it is one of those 80s cartoons that I did watch. I did partake in because it really spoke to me visually, conceptually. And, and I was so excited to get the nod to do the Thundercats. And this cover, I, I, I literally am so overwhelmed by the response to this. It's the first thing that Mark says to me, hey, dude, that Thundercats cover. That's what I was like, this is, this is absolutely crazy. But uh, so excited. And, and I can tell you right now, I am not just doing one cover. I'm doing several. Dynamite has um, seen the incredible response and, and watched the orders. And they, they are um, packing with me to do more covers. 
but it is so fun. Another bucket list achieved after G.I. Joe and after uh, drawing covers for ROM and Micronauts for IDW years back. I am just trying to go through and and, and scratch out as many kind of achievements, uh, bucket list achievements that I, that, that, that I could that I could possibly fit. And, and the response to the Thundercats, I just want to say thank you so very much. I try and thank and like all of your comments across all the different social media platforms. But that was a thrill to finally release it. It was, we were out with my daughter for her birthday when Nick, because he had warned me, Rob, when we get the codes, when we get the approvals, we got to go. We are in the window. We got to get this cover. We got to, we got to promote this. And I am at, at, uh, dinner with my daughter for her birthday at this killer, uh, place called Dintai Fung. Uh, there's a couple locations in the Southland, Southland, the Orange County one in South Coast Plaza always has a monster line. They do, you do not do re- reservations. You have to put your name in. You have to wait on site. And so my, my wife and I went at, went at, at 4.30. We left the house at 4, got there at 4.30, put our name in for a 6 o'clock. About 7 o'clock, middle of the meal, I get the text from Nick Barucci, uh, Grand Puba owner, publisher, runner uh, 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 of, of all things Dynamite. And he says, Rob, it's a go. You can share now. And I said, do, do you mean right now? He goes, I, I would like you to share it right now. And I said, excuse me. And this was right after my son Chase had, had told me, hey, dad, uh, I just want to let you know, man, you've been so much more present. I, I don't know what intervention you had with yourself. These are his words, but you've been off your phone so much and you're not as active. And, and, and especially during like, you know, functions like this. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And then I go, uh, Thank you, Chase. That was really nice. I just need you to guys understand it, it's not being like I'm not some influencer being paid to tweet, but when a publisher is kind enough and gives me this cover and this opportunity, and then they say, Rob, you need to go promote this right now and get the word out and help boost the signal. I said, I got to do this. And they were all so cool, but it took me about 10 minutes with my cut and paste and my trying to, you know, share, sh- share this cover. And, and so that was just really funny. I mean, it was like the approvals are in, the codes are in to order from Diamond. Go, go, go. And I went and I shared and you guys have been so, so absolutely generous and kind. And uh, just for anybody who thinks that my, my uh, social media is in somebody else's hands, n- not yet. No one else has, has, has taken over my social media. Uh, like it, loathe it, think it's clumsy. It's all me, and, and, and that is the, the form with which we put out the Thundercats, and where I am so excited to be doing more Thundercats covers. Thank you for the incredible response, and, and, and now that we've gotten, I'm going to even edit down kind of the week that was, a day in the life, a week in the life. Again, new Marvel projects, Last Blood, uh, Thundercats covers. I'm not even going to tell you all of the directors and talent that I'm speaking to in regards and and the sculptors doing the action figures for all of the different stuff in the extreme library that can wait but we are about to enter the realm of the uncut gems and an uncut gem that that is our focus for the rest of this show we we, this is an all-new series that we're going to be dropping in just like our feuds series just like our rob topsies just like our forbidden fruits. And, and with the uncut gems, I'm going to be exposing you to work that I believe has largely gone unnoticed by some of the greats, by some of the absolute greats. Issues that I honestly recommend you get, uh, hunt down, investigate, explore for yourself. And we got a couple of great ones to kick off today's show. Now, let me, first, let's go uh, uncut gems. I'm not talking about the Safety Brothers movie. 
uh, with, with Mr. Uh, with Mr. Adam Sandler. Fantastic film, by the way. Absolute fantastic film. We are talking about the definition of uncut gem. A definition. Webster's Dic- Dictionary will tell you an uncut gem is a person who is rough around the edges, but has a good heart. Uh, def- uh, 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 used in a sentence, a person who would be attractive if they tried. That's okay. So, so this is all about appeal and attractiveness being rough around the edges. These jobs I maintain are rough around the edges because of the fresh approach that this talent is taking. In many cases, both these talents are, 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 are new. They are still in their rookie stages. Not everything I give you will be rookie stages. I think there are some legit, like great work by icons and legends that just went into publications that you may have not ever heard of. And one of the things, the great, the, the great feedback that I've been able to get on this show for the last several years is you literally ha- have, have expressed to me so many times over how much you enjoy finding these, uh, sh- sharing kind of these tidbits. Uh, I, I didn't know that, that, that the stuff in my drawer had gotten so old as to be somewhat forgotten. But I go back to a guy not knowing that Jim Valentino did the Cosmic Ghostwriter. That Cosmic Ghostwriter is on the cover of both of those Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a top 20 Marvel comic, and yet people forget. Marvel didn't forget. They knew when the latest iteration came that, that, that the Jim one came first. They're, they're, they're better studies. Uh, and if they don't know, somebody next to them knows and lets them know that they should know. But Uncut Gems is going to share with you some stuff that I actually really think you would get a kick out, get, get a kick out of uh, experiencing. I'm going to tell you right now from my vantage point, being in this business for almost four decades, I'm going to tell you that the business is very much in flux in terms of excitement, in terms of organic uh, juice. There's not a lot of stuff that people are buzzing around. You don't go into comic stores and have a lot of conversations about books that people are are liking. There's 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 no matter what store I go to, no matter what base I talk to online as well, people are kind of in the shrug, eh, you know, eh, mode. Nothing is burning up uh, the charts at this moment. There's a couple knocks at the door, a couple things that look like they're going to break through. I know for a fact. I'm not taking 2024, you know, laying down. I am ready. I am ready to go. I am ready to rock. I think I have some fresh stuff. I have to get it out there and see if it works. I think Marvel's got a whole new rebrand, a whole new re, uh, re, re, you know, uh, focus, a new focus on the X-Men. That's why they are shutting down the Krakoa stuff. And of course, they'll keep some tethers open so that it's not a lost era. Again, should have been an Age of Apocalypse one-year event. Went on way too long, tried way too hard to change the basics of why the X-Men is loved. I think the new X-Men stuff will be uh, good enough to warrant, you know, some some legit excitement. And if any one of those planes legit, like, lands, then, then they're going to have something. So I, I think there's some stuff around the corner. I, I, I know also, I haven't talked much about it. DC is absolutely doing kind of an ultimate reboot. Uh, I know the people at the helm, the people in, in charge. There have been a lot of people called, a lot of people solicited, a lot of people asked to be a part of it. Uh, that That's going to... Uh, I, I've mostly spoken to people who didn't uh, choose to go on board. Uh, I don't want to play spoiler at this point. That's not the service of this show. Uh, th- th- there are... there are. Uh, be careful, though. 
I sneak stuff in that you're going to come back and you're going to go, he was telling us right here without telling us right here. And I will, but not today. But they've got something coming in as well. I don't think it's far as, as far as along. <laughs> I don't think it's as far along as the Marvel stuff is. Excuse my stutter. Excuse my, uh, you know, you guys have to put up with all my, my, my stuttering on, on a regular basis. So forgive me. And then my stammering. Uncut Gems. Let's get to our very first one. Today, we're doing an Uncut Gem with Todd McFarlane. We're doing an Uncut Gem with Frank Miller. I think they are fantastic shares. You're going to want to hunt these down. I don't want to get too much into the new universe of comics. I was actually working retail at the time that this happened. I got my six, seven, eight-month gig at Tustin uh, Comic Book Store, the, the store in, in, in Tustin that is now Tustin Tunes and Toys. I was the clerk there. The new universe launched there. It was Marvel's new initiative to give all new heroes from an all-new Earth, a non-Marvel Earth, and, and seed it with different characters, personalities, powers, and kind of create something indeed new. It didn't catch. It didn't catch because, in my opinion, as a retailer at the time, working retail and as a fan and someone who was trying to knock on the door and break into the business, there was no significant talent on these books. Uh, They weren't the A-list people who were doing the A-list stuff for either company. It was some inspired choices, but when you're going that that far out on a limb to introduce something that wild, wildly ambitious, I just felt that if you're going to have a book called Merc, and a book called Justice and 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 uh, you know Spitfire and the Troubleshooters. They probably should have launched with maybe some bigger names. That was my own opinion. Now, I'm sure a lot of names, like I mentioned earlier on some other projects, were turning them down because they're like, I don't want to be part of that risk. I want to stay with my good paying gig on fill in the blank top selling book. And this seems like too much of a risk for me. Well, that's when getting rookie talent helps. So the new universe was a separate universe other than Marvel Comics that was launched. It was kind of Jim Shooter's pet project, and and there was a number of titles, and I already explained that Spitfire and the Troubleshooters was one of them. We don't need to know a whole whole lot of Spitfire and the Troubleshooters history. I bought issue one. I bought this issue. I may have bought one more, and that was it. I didn't hang around and watch for the greater development of the new universe because they just didn't catch my fancy. Star Brand was another. I just didn't enjoy the creative team, the vision, the look of the book. And again, comic books are about art, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the kick-ass art. One, Mr. Todd McFarlane wandered into Marvel Comics after being at DC for the better part of two and a half years. I came to know Todd's work. Briefly, he did some backups in a book that Marvel did publish called under their epic label called Coyote. He did some backup stories in a book called Coyote. He came on my radar. I thought his work had a commercial edge to it as a fan. I'm a fan. I'm 16, 17 years old. This is my senior year of high school. I am 17. I turn 18 in October, almost five months after I graduate high school. So so those, those Marvel Coyote epic illustrated backup stories, they, 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 were, they showed some promise. The Infinity Inc. Uh, work that Todd did. There was a book they had called Infinity Incorporated, I-N-C, you know, period. Jerry Ordway had launched the book. I was a huge Jerry Ordway fan. That's why I bought the book. That's why I was so into it. Uh, really, really, I, th- I thought fun characters, fun characters designed, fun character names, Jade, Obsidian, uh, just, just some cool, cool, they were like a uh, new young group of superheroes, which were burning up the charts for everybody at the time. Teen Titans, uh, New Mutants at Marvel, X-Men, obviously, all the X-Men spinoffs. You had, you had Legion of Superheroes doing real well. So Infinity Inc. was another youthful uh, group of superheroes, some with some legacy lineage 
with in regards to like Green Lantern or some of the other Justice Society characters. They were coming from the Justice Society slice of the pie, not the Justice League. But Todd McFarlane comes on in the middle of that run. I don't know which issue. It's not important. But I was very taken by his very distinct layouts. And he was quoted later and has told me personally he did those layouts to stand out. He knew he was rough around the edges. And indeed, they were giving him one of the heaviest finishers in the business since I was a kid. Since since 1975, I saw Tony Dezuninga. Uh, I, I, I hope I pronounced that uh, correctly. But Tony would do finishes over John Buscema breakdowns over John Byrne breakdowns. He was seen as there was an entire crew and we've covered it here and they literally did all come, but most of these guys came from the Philippines. I was able to sit and meet with some of them as they did the different creation conventions in the Disneyland Hotel and in Orange County and the kind of the greater uh, region when they would come out and visit and I would watch Alfredo Alcala. I would watch Rudy Nebris or Nebris. I would watch uh, Tony Dezuninga and these guys were heavy hitters. If you wanted it finished, you wanted it polished, you wanted it professional, but they had a heavy hand that most of the time I have an entire issue of John Buscema Conan breakdowns. They are spectacular. Everything you need is there, but they are the furthest thing from, from finished pencils. Some lines aren't even connected. Uh, they're just basic, you know, gesture, 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 some, some, some facial details, basically like, you know, nose, eyes, jaw, mouth, but the rendering, the hair, all that stuff can be applied by these incredible finishers. And so many of them, I mean, they really, now, now it's happened here. I've got, an, I've got an entire episode about a group of guys I don't name who called me away from their manager because they felt like they were being underpaid and exploited. That episode, I forget what that's called, um, but it's, 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 uh, it's, it's in the back catalog. And uh, they called wanting to break free from the agent who had brought them to me because they weren't being paid enough. And they, and they, they, they couldn't believe that the large page rates that I was paying to their agent weren't making it to them. And what ultimately happened is a couple of them changed their names and we hired them under different names and they set up different, you know, names. And, and that's how we did business with them because they wanted to get out of the contracts because they were so bad. There, there are, um, th- th- this was a man, a headhunter who was going overseas, finding talent, coming over, representing them, asking for triple the money that they would get paid. And people like me were paying it, thinking it was landing with them. And I didn't understand until i got the phone call now i'm not saying these other guys were exploited that's not what i'm saying at all i'm saying overseas talent is a pool sometimes they're exploited sometimes sometimes they're discovered i i prefer them discovered uh rather than exploited but certainly a talent pool and again now let me give you the good version of this i've had so many of these guys tell me that they studied alongside my my good buddy i love him so much wills Protasio had a version of this. He went back to the Philippines, maybe the Philippines' biggest, brightest, shining star. And, and, and trust me, there's an entire episode I'm preparing for Wills, and it has a perfect title. And I can't wait to share it with you because you guys know and you have to understand how incredibly influential and, and, and partly unsung his influence is. But Lanil Yu, uh, Romulo Fajardo Jr., who colors my work, uh, J. David Ramos, who cover, colors uh, my work. Ed Tadeo, who is currently inking some of my work. These guys have all openly. Philip Tan has, has talked about um, Wills's influence. Wills ran an art school and instruction. Uh, he 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 instructed young artists over in the Philippines. He did it in a way that would build these guys up and give them these spectacular careers. That's the good version, and that's the one that I should share with you. Not the terrible. In the middle of the night, these guys just feeling terribly exploited. Not that one. But bottom line, overseas, we haven't even gotten to all the great Spanish talent, all the great European, Italian. I mean, again, 
so much staggering, amazing talent from all around the globe. But if Tony Dezuniga is inking you, especially early in your career, it's because they want the final polish. They want the final polish applied to your uh, to, to your early rough pencils. And in this case, Todd was early and he was rough. After doing Infinity Ink for a couple of years and really standing out, big heads, big figures, he was starting to really show the, the, the level of kind of design elements and splash that he would ultimately, you know, succeed with on Spider-Man. But he left. He left DC. I never, I've never even asked Todd why. I don't know if he just wanted to go work at Marvel. It was time. I don't know any of the circumstances. Just as a fan, I started seeing him pop up at Marvel Comics. And lo and behold, I pulled out of the box Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number four, and it was drawn by none other than Mr. Todd McFarlane. The cover looks, based on the interiors, it looks like Todd drew it. Uh, it, it is, in fact, drawn by Steve Geiger and inked by Mr. Bob McLeod. Bob McLeod is another one of those finishers, but it's in, incredible. Uh, look, I've seen what, what Bob does here is incredible. And I'm going to tell you, Bob McLeod was a feathery. He came from the Neil Adams, Dick Giordano, Continuity Studios uh, school of inkers and embellishers. His, his style skewed more towards uh, the, the, the influences of continuity, Neil Adams, Dick Giordano, these guys that he inked. And even even eventually penciled, you can see this same kind of style when he pencils New Mutants, which is the book that he did, the graphic novel, the launch, and and then the the number one issue. Bob launched that entire franchise with with Chris Claremont. It's brush, it's quill, it's cross hatching, it's feathering, it's it's beautiful work. And I mean, I was just watching on the latest Heritage auction. I was I was considering jumping in and bidding because uh, he was a great embellisher. During this period, from the late seventies through the eighties, and again, he would occasionally then take on the mantle of of, uh, of penciling and inking. But he made most of his bones inking, and as an embellisher, I think he probably did it faster, paid more bills. That's that some of these incredible inkers and embellishers they can draw, they can draw fantastically. But the art of designing, uh, uh, the storytelling, the page, the layout, the full rendering—it just is too time consuming. And maybe they're you know perfectionist. And instead, they get to add their perfectionist aspects to finishing someone else, and much to the the pleasure and and the eye candy that we all get as a result of it. On Heritage Auctions, there was three Salvia Sema pages from Defenders when Bob McLeod inked it, and I was sitting there studying them because I I really favor those issues. And then when he would ink Salvia Sema on the Hulk, uh, kind of rotate in as a guest inker. The stuff never looked better. The embellishment, it, there's there's a slightly uh, ap, there's a slight application of a, of a heavier hand that Bob would apply. He's one of the best. He's absolutely one of the best finishers, embellishers uh, that the business has ever seen. He inks this issue over Todd McFarlane as if he were Terry Austin. He adopts the crisp, brittle, uh, very slick line work of Terry Austin. And it is evident through the entire job. This is not a traditional Bob McLeod job. If you were to go and reference many more Bob McLeod, Bob McLeod, Bob McLeod jobs, you would see what I'm saying. Now, Bob would go on and also do a couple issues over Todd on Spider-Man before Todd started inking himself. But this is incredibly, maybe one of the most faithful ink jobs that Todd had gotten at the time, because you can see Todd, everything that he was doing and that he was about to do on the Hulk and then Spider-Man, especially early on, you can see it here. 
this is a really good job by Todd. He really uh, handles Spitfire, the giant robot that, that the entire thing is 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 uh, focused on. He, Spitfire and the troubleshooters are the supporting cast, and and there's very very uh, it, it, it's it's going to be great when I when I get to kind of what I'm to me that the, the focal point, the showcase of this entire issue. But but he gives the robot weight, mass, really great shots, really great dre- gestures. There's a mercenary that's hired to take down Spitfire. Guy's very Rambo with a with a beard and mustache. You know, he's got his fatigues, his headband, his his uh, his machine gun. It's kind of the the story that plays out. It's a story that's on the cover that that again is is illustrated by Steve Geiger and inked by Bob McLeod. And Bob also inks that a little in that Terry style. I think he was trying on a certain style. And I know from being there at the time in in in, in eighty seven and eighty eight. People knew Jim Lee, myself, Eric Larson, Todd. We were we wanted a Terry Austin style approach. That's what we all grew up loving and 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 coveting. And that's who had inked some of our favorite jobs by George Perez and John Byrne and Walt Simonson and Art Adams. And and we wanted it for ourselves. But there were very few guys doing it. Very few guys who could even begin to attempt to pull it off. Which is why, again, at, at, at my Extreme Studios. The focal point, Danny Mickey, John Sabal, Marlo Alquiza, Jaime Mendoza, uh, Tim Townsend came through there. We got Art Tiber and Dan Panosian into guide, Norm Ratman, but that crisp line, we capitalized on it. Wildstorm did the same. Everyone was now trying to go for the new slickness, and, and, and it mattered more than color in, in any way, shape, or form at that time. Inks were, were what you, you wanted, those finished inks. And the reason I've, I've said it here many times is why Eric Larson, myself, Todd McFarlane, took to inking ourselves is because... There was only one guy who was capable of doing anything remotely like that at the time, and that was Scott Williams, and he hitched his ride to Jim, and the rest of us had to come up with something else, and the best possible solution was to ink ourselves, which we did, and I got I to gotta be honest, Todd and I and Eric, we, we will talk, the extra added royalty and the extra added earnings from inking yourself was worth it. It was absolutely worth it, so thank you to, to Mr. Williams for hitching your... your, your uh, ride to gym it, it provided we had to work a little longer but we made a lot more and that was fantastic but way before that happens bob mcleod does this job that looks like terry austin over clearly very tight i, I i've i've got pencils i've got 11 by 17 pencils of a hulk job that todd was doing that had x factor in it and it was inked by a guy named jim sanders and jim sanders who is no longer with us uh, rest in peace jim he showed me the pencils when we were at a convention that he was inking over Todd. And so I, these match up very, very well with that at the time. And I'm going to tell you some highlights of this Spitfire and, and, and the troubleshooters issue is uh, first, I think the splash page is fantastic. Page one is really good. The courthouse, the crowd gathering. Um, but then we get like page, I believe this is page seven, where this uh, guy with glasses enters the courthouse with the Spitfire robot. And it is a five panel page. Great faces, great dramatic shots. Uh, they're entering the room, and and trust me, every kid who ever read How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way in 1978 by John Buscema, the Bible of telling comic book stories, he's like, when you enter a room, tilt the angle. He, he does it in that Marvel Comics really handbook to how to make comics, and he does it so well. He says, here's how entering a room with two guys straight on would look, but I suggest entering it through this manner and tilt the camera, give a more dramatic and, and lower shot. And, and this is not the shot that John showed us 
in the book. I'm not saying that at all. It's just the same inherent, uh, just dramatic flair. Todd is really doing a great job. The middle panel with 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 the robot gathered around these other lawmakers or or whoever these suits are in this in this uh, courtroom, and then Spitfire is giving testimony. Um, and he and he's and he's uh, oh, it's senators. It's senators they're talking to. And uh, so, so, so it's probably Capitol Hill. I, I just grazed by. It looks like a courthouse. Uh, if you think that my interest in this book is reading it, you are wrong. Jerry Conway, I love him. He's great. But these characters held no interest to me whatsoever. To this day, I still have not read this book, but I have poured over each and every panel. Uh, Todd draws a lot of like uh, very interesting, regular dudes, people in suits, uh, female senators, all this stuff. Well. They're very. They they have a great flair. Todd always brought a brought a great bit of character to kind of the secondary characters. Made them interesting looking. The glasses, the noses, the mustaches, uh, really great stuff. Page eight is the showcase panel of the entire the entire book. If you want to see Mary Jane before Todd gives you Mary Jane, this depiction of this beautiful redhead coming out. Her name is Jenny Swenson. She's part of the troubleshooters. She pops the head off the Spitfire robot and she pops out from him and says, I'm Jenny Swenson, professor of applied engineering at MIT. And again, you've got all the crazy uh, character people reacting to her and the cameras are taking shots of her as she gets out of the robot and, and, and reveals to the people in the elevator who she really is. But this giant, it's, it's, it's a good, you know, almost half, pa- half page shot. Not quite three quarter, but it is a great shot of a woman who looks exactly like the Mary Jane Watson that you're going to get monthly on Amazing Spider-Man and then Spider-Man from Todd. And tell me, I, I dare one of you to look at this and tell me that she is not a dead ringer for what Todd is going to do. Um, just sans the 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 fishnets and the miniskirts that he's going to put on Mary Jane. She's in a full uh, black bodysuit as she gets out of Spitfire, but it's a great shot. Again, very clean, very commercial, very appealing line work. Um, later on, I, I've isolated a couple of uh, pages where the mercenary is battling Spitfire, and there's one where he fires uh, a mechanism at, at, at Spitfire, which drops him to the ground, and he's standing dramatically over him. I actually cropped the page number out on that. Uh, the, all, the entire fight scene is really well done. This, this is clean. This is concise. You can definitely, it's a doorway into what Todd is about to immediately bring to you on the Hulk and then later his first Amazing Spider-Mans. Uh, and, and, and the last panel also has this girl who looks a little like less like Mary Jane because her hair is a little more Farrah fauceted out than she is when she reveals uh, this Jenny Swenson on page eight. But crowd scenes, uh, faces, gestures, action, just this is a great Todd McFarlane job. It deserves to be in your collection. There was a time where the, the collector's uh, Overstreet and even the Comics Values Monthly that I've read from you and the, the comic collector magazines that predate Wizard. What was cool is, and even a little bit of when the Wizard got started, it used to be that an artist's first run or early work got a denotation like next to Spitfire and the Troubleshooters for first Todd McFarlane, you know, or or something like that. We've gotten away from that. It's, it's so much about characters and so little about creators nowadays and we have ourselves to blame with that. We didn't do enough. And and I'm saying that and and I helped Form Image Comics. We didn't do enough. We should have done more. We can continue to do more. We're going to continue to do more, okay? But we're not there yet. It's more about character than, than creator uh, than it has ever been, in my opinion. But 
This is an uncut gem. It is great inking, great penciling, great storytelling. It's clean. It really reflects Todd's early influence. You can see the Art Adams and the George Perez, two uh, influences that I also was in my entire peer group. Um, You can kind of go through and like, let's say Todd was George, John Byrne, and Art Adams. And, And Jim Lee was George, Art Adams, and Kevin Nolan. And let's say Rob was George and Art Adams and Jack Kirby. And then with with Eric Larson, you 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 swap out George Perez and put Gil Kane in there. You got Gil Kane, Jack Kirby, and Art Adams. But Art Adams influence on all of us. I've said it from season one. I've said it over and over again. You can you can go back and listen. I I give you the exact traits, the things that we pulled exactly out of Art's work. Because Art was himself kind of a walking talking uncut, uncut jemmy give you a job once a year but todd was on the move he was about to take over uh some giant franchise players at marvel and the hulk and spider-man but spitfire and the troubleshooters number four this robot every single shot of him even like i said even the shots of him uh in in, in congress in senate uh talking to just guys in suits great looking art uh the the uh the mercenary the rambo type guy that is hunting Spitfire throughout the sh- story, and they have this battle in the forest. Really fun character, uh, menacing, sinister, but got that little extra added, you know, character bits that I like, 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 like I've said that Todd brings. But uh, really clean, great figure work, fun faces, cartoony. Todd is on that cartoony bend. I would put Art Adams eventually totally cartoony as well. Cartoony is good art. Eric Larson. When I say cartoony, it's a compliment. There's, there's kind of. F-A-U-A, fa realism. And that that would be kind of in the, maybe in the school of like what George Perez and uh, Frank Miller were attempting. But John Byrne, 100,000%. I just took out his entire Fantastic Four run. It doesn't get more brilliantly commercial cartoony than what John Byrne was doing. And we were all influenced by all these guys. So Spitfire and the Troubleshooters from the New Universe line of comics, published by Marvel, 1986. It came out in October of 1986. And I remember... I remember this job going, I'd love to see more, uh, you know, from Todd, more of the, the Marvel universe. And, and little did I know that the Hulk and, and Spider-Man and a giant seismic shift was coming with Todd actually doing exactly what I was hoping, jumping on some prime major Marvel real estate. So, so if you are a Todd McFarlane fan of any kind, I, I highly recommend you see this because, because again, just like, okay, so, 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 so sports fanatics, the crazies like myself, we start watching these athletes in college to see where the, the, the instincts were born, the skill was developed, where the, where the greatness was born. You know, some people are just content that when they give them, when they get them in the NFL, they're like, yep, he came from there. I didn't need to watch that. I'm not giving up my Saturdays, my midweeks to watch college basketball and college football on Saturdays. But so many of us, we want to watch that development. And now I'm telling you, because my kids came from travel ball. My, my, uh, both my boys were, were part of the birth of travel ball in like 20, 2009, 2010. And I mean, Chase Liefeld had such great hops that the Compton Magic, one of the premier uh, travel, ball, travel ball clubs here in Southern California, uh, based in Los Angeles, sought out Chase, recruited him, and put him on their team. When he was a freshman. So, so now through, through social media, the Instagram accounts, uh, the, the original 
organization that my boy started in, which was was called Open Gym Premier, they become a big giant deal. And now you, they had, they actually have what, 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 the the big change in the last decade is these kids get interviewed, they get put on social media, they get yeah, shown to the the papers. He's a hot junior high prospect, high school prospect. So what I'm telling you there is that's the the equivalent of this. That's what Infinity Inc. And all this stuff at Marvel, but but by the time he got to Marvel, he was super polished. Bob McCloud adopts this Terry Austin, very crisp, clean style to best communicate what, what Todd was putting on the page. He didn't try and Bob McCloud. That's what I'm trying to say. It really looks like Todd, but kind of a stand-in for Terry Austin. It's crisp. It's clean. It's really pretty. It's fun. You'll dig it. And tell me that uh, that 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 early iterations of Mary Jane are not found. On these panels that I'm mentioning to you, especially that page, that page eight, where you're like, oh, this is what Mary Jane's going to look like when Todd draws her. So, hey, Spitfire and the Troubleshooters shouldn't cost you a whole lot of money. Not a terribly uh, expensive book, easy to access. I, I, I wish you all the best. I hope you can hunt it down and I hope that you enjoy it as much as I do because I dig it. Our second uncut gem today is by none other than mega superstar Mount Rushmore level accomplished talent mr frank miller yes frank miller of daredevil of dark knight of sin city of 300 this is published in 1980 and this is the job that he was doing to toil uh prior to getting getting uh his daredevil break a lot of times you get inventory stories to to keep me you know to keep me kind of generating work and income for marvel while they waited to put me on new mutants i got inventory stories there's one entire x well there's 17 pages of an x-factor story that actually got inked uh that featured madcap and warlock on this crazy day out the entire i think i think 16 or 17 of the pages sold at heritage a while back uh that's an inventory story they just it wasn't regularly scheduled but they would editors would would hand out stories that you could draw and you would get paid for that they would then schedule for a later date. This was Marvel editor. Every Marvel editor at one point was asked to have one inventory job on each of their books at this time, given that if deadlines came out, you could you could slot something in. Apologize to the fans for breaking up a story, but at least the book got out monthly. And so young talent often got inventory stories. This issue of Marvel Spotlight, issue eight, Marvel Spotlight, issue eight, published in 1980, 50 cents. Got a Frank Miller and Terry Austin cover, and it is amazing. It is really reflects uh, some incredible Gil Kane dynamics, dynamics, which were a huge uh, influence on Frank's work. Gil, Gil Kane was one of the biggest influences on Frank's Frank's work. Gil Kane of the Adam of Green Lantern, of Hawk and Dove, of Daredevil prior, seminal mega superstar worked with him at my awesome comics label he did some killer just amazing pages for our judgment day miniseries that alan moore wrote and uh he was cover editor at marvel did all the covers either either drew them which he did probably 70 percent. he drew and then other people would finish or he he supplied the breakdowns the the uh the roughs for other people to do that that's what the 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 cover editor did Dave Cockrum of X Men fame followed him. Ed Ed Hannigan followed Dave Cockrum. Marvel had a just an incredible 
just illustrious history of these incredible cover artists. And it was all about composition and figure placement. And, and Gil was fantastic. And Frank really is so heavily, maybe it is his, especially in his formative years, his biggest single influence. And this job, Marvel, Marvel Spotlight number eight is Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, uh, who you would na- later known as, as Carol Danvers, who takes the mantle from the male Captain Marvel, who I always thought had one of the best costumes in comics. Just loved his look, bought anything he was in as a kid, loved it. This is written by Mike W. Barr, more importantly, drawn by Frank Miller and inked by Bruce D. Patterson. Bruce, another really clean, slick guy. Uh, probably Bruce's highest pro- profile work. He was the anchor on George Perez when George launched his new revision of Wonder Woman in, in late 1986 and maybe early 87, but Bruce Patterson was right alongside them. George had gone through a whole bunch of anchors who he thought could follow his pencil work the best, and, and, and you know how intricate at that point George's stuff had become, and Bruce won that. But prior to that, I would buy anything Bruce Patterson inked. He was that good. He had just a great slick line. I hired him at a show to ink a bunch of my my high school drawings of you would I kid you not of the forever people uh of I I I did I did more <laughs> I did multiple I was so obsessed with the forever people Big Bear Mark Moonrider um I'm, I'm trying to think who else I would have submitted to Bruce but he had an inking rate I'd pay it on the spot he'd have it inked for me before the end of the show I felt so professional I felt this is how my work will look under a professional line uh I mean that that's like now we're talking 84 85 but years before he inks Frank Miller, who does a bang-up job on this Marvel Spotlight number eight with a cosmic story of uh, Captain Marvel arriving at this mysterious planet with what looks like a combination of Egyptian and Greek gods who run this place. It's called the planet where time stood still. The signature Frank Miller dynamics figure work, amazing storytelling is on display here. Uh, Frank, there's, there's a thing that I've seen Frank Miller because he's kind of fallen into this uh, area where a lot of younger talent who weren't around when Frank was absolutely transforming comics and was setting all of our hair on fire, they weren't around and they just look at what Frank is doing in his late 60s and they determine, well, that guy could have never been a guy that I liked. Well, let me tell you something. Frank was amazing from the get-go and the, and the thing that they use the most, and I, I, I see these people clear their throats and try and lecture me on, well, you know, Rob, all of the success of Frank Miller on Daredevil was his embellisher finisher Klaus Jansen who made sure he put bullshit that is 100% bullshit and the best argument I will ever give you is at the same time that Frank was doing Daredevil he did Wolverine which was inked by Joseph Rubenstein and he had done Batman a short story in a Christmas special in 1979 in that same Daredevil era that was inked by one Steve Mitchell during all this He's also getting inked on a number of jobs by Terry Austin, the kind of alpha of inkers, the, 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 the one that all the pencilers aspired. And then you got jobs like Bruce D. Patterson. So Bruce Patterson, Terry Austin, Joe Rubenstein, uh, you, you, got, you got Klaus Jansen, Steve Mitchell, and even on a Spider-Man annual, Mr. Legendary Tom Palmer. All of these guys ink Frank, and there's all connective tissue. They all look like Frank Miller. The figures, the faces, the rendering, the incredible storytelling. Frank Miller was the star of the show. Everyone else may have augmented him in some way, but he was the star. He was not a star because of their efforts. Perhaps they helped make the deadlines. True. They, 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 they created some great tricks of their own. True. But Frank 
is the star when he can be inked by five, six inkers and his work is still signature, pops and excites the masses. But there are so many people who want to explain away, well, 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 you know, you understand Liefeld. That's because of, look, I love Klaus Janssen as much as the next guy and he's a phenomenal talent. But Frank Miller was Frank Miller because of Frank Miller. But in this story, Bruce Patterson does a really nice job. Uh, I, I would say given that Frank was a new penciler doing an inventory story, waiting for him you know to take over daredevil now by the time this sees print frank has been on daredevil for several issues it may be why they took it out of the drawer and they published it because frank miller on daredevil was burning up the charts he had taken over as writer and and an artist at this time and had already given us about six or seven because daredevil was on a bi-monthly schedule he had already given us his daredevil run but captain marvel is uh you know enacts with these weird space god gods and they they seek to test him but if you like captain marvel if you like clean figure work good faces and and fun cosmic one shots uh this is the book for you really nice drawing again what do you like you like faces you like figures you like dynamics you like storytelling again frank is not writing his own story here mike w Barr, a writer whose work i greatly enjoy uh wrote this and it all uh ends with, with with Frank battling this uh cosmic cerebus, the 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 you know three headed dog from mythology. Like I said, there's some some Egyptian looking like artifacts and, and and architecture. And then there's this like, you know, uh Greek looking God, but then there's a giant statue of Pharaoh that's falling on Captain Marvel. But my favorite stuff is when he has Captain Marvel flying around, zooming around, battling in action. But um the 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 uh battle of wits that he engages in with these weird space gods that occupy this planet is great i would say it's worth it for the frank miller terry austin cover alone but you are getting an entire 22 page issue of frank miller early formative cool frank miller not street level frank miller not batman not daredevil it's it's captain marvel and you know there's there's always uh been a part of me because frank at this time was starting to get a bunch of covers he did a bunch of covers for Power Man Iron Fist. He became like a year-long artist on Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man. He did Marvel team-up covers. He did covers for Hulk. He did covers for Rom. Uh, he was really getting after it. He was living in the city. He was getting the work. He was turning that work in. And again, some of those Rom covers are inked by Al Milgram. No less spectacular because Frank's work stood out no matter who the embellisher and no matter who the anchor was. But if you're a fan of the traditional Captain Marvel, you want to, you're, you're, you're in, in the mood for one isolated space saga, self-contained story, planet where time stood, stood still. Frank does the cover and he does the entire interiors. Uh, very clean, very pretty. Uh, every one of my issues, the printing seems a little off register. Maybe there is a nicer version that you're going to come um, come upon. I've told you before, sometimes the printing of these books, especially back then, was much more suspect than what we get nowadays. And again, having worked in a print shop, all it takes is for one guy to step away for five minutes, grab a sandwich, get something out of the fridge, take his eye off that press, and things are off register. Because back then, it had to be manually, uh, you know, you really had to have someone keeping their eyeballs on the machines at all time. When I was running the print shop for my school and my church, and that was my after-school job on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Again, it was all the equal. You had to keep sure the red, the blue, the cyan, the magenta, um, all, all of the inks were, were blending at the same with the black. And when you did go away 
and you took your eyes off it, suddenly you're not getting the image you should and you immediately have to go back and readjust. I've, I've spoken to this being the reason that there are bright orange copies of New Mutants 87 and deep, deep, deep crimson red copies of New Mutants 87. That is a printer who took his eye off the eye off the ball, walked away, and either the red was too strong and the orange is, is the true uh, reason and, 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 and the true submission. Uh, because I've seen light, light orange, bright, bright, stronger orange, and then deep, deep, deep reds. And that's all on the same palette. Uh, but it's just a guy who wasn't adjusting the levels of the printing at the time. Now everything is so computerized. Everything's so automated. You don't have that. This is again, back in the eighties. This is printed in 1980 Marvel spotlight, Captain, Captain Marvel, Mark, Mike W. Barr. But the reason, in my opinion, to buy it is the beautiful artistry those long uh, dynamic figures and faces and gestures and storytelling that Frank Miller brings to the fore. And if you're a completist or if you just want to see Frank before he explodes into Daredevil, because again, this is an inventory job that he did while he was waiting to get his Daredevil job. And, uh, and there you have it. I've given you and served up for you today two immediate, brilliant, awesome, very affordable, uncut gems. Todd McFarlane, Balling out in one of his early Marvel jobs, Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number four. Frank Miller, early job, but no less accomplished and polished. And you look and you go, this guy, this is what I was saying when I was saying about his co- his covers. I, I, I'm going I'm to come back and circle back to this. Woo, almost let that one get away. You guys know when I let this stuff get away. And, um, and every time I shut off the show, I'm like, mm, lost that train of thought because this is wildly a stream of consciousness show. And, and maybe it's for you, maybe it's not. But here's the deal. I would have loved to have seen an extended run of Frank on something like the Avengers or the Defenders because he drew everyone so well. There's a Marvel team up inked by Bob Wyatt. There's another that looks just like Frank Miller. So don't buy the, you know, this one guy was Frank's savior and cleaned him and made him appealing. Bullshit. Frank was awesome no matter who was inking him. And we bought everything and anything he did. He did an anniversary issue of Marvel, uh, Marvel team up that has Spider-Man with the Fantastic Four and it introduces the character Karma uh, that would later be in the New Mutants. It's written by Chris Claremont. And Frank's rendition of Fantastic Four is great in the Spider-Man annual that Tom Palmer inked. It's uh, it, Frank is depicting Doctor Strange. Frank had a great grasp on the Marvel Universe at large. But outside of just a few covers in those jobs I told you right there, that Marvel team-up, that Spider-Man annual, this Captain Marvel, he really didn't do much besides Daredevil. And trust me, with Daredevil, it was great. We got to see some of his Spider-Man. We got to see some of his Hulk. Uh, he did Spider-Man jobs. Frank is just astounding. And at this point, he's probably 22, 23, just burning up the charts, rocking everybody's world. Highly recommend Marvel Spotlight number eight, Captain Marvel, drawn by the illustrious Frank Miller, Spitfire, and the Troubleshooters. Todd McFarlane, you cannot and will not go wrong if you check out these two uncut gems. In upcoming episodes, we'll continue to share. We got uncut gems by A-listers galore, and I can't wait to share them with you. I hope that, uh, look, I'm going to tell you both. These are both better than most comics on the market right now. Both of these are are better than 98% of what you're going to get at your comic store this week. Comics were just, uh, well, these comics, these are really good, really good examples of clean, clean storytelling, clean art, very commercial lines. I can't, 
Can't possibly recommend them more. I think you'll dig them. Add them to your comic book palette, your collection, uh, your completest, and, and you won't go wrong. And there is way more of this to follow in the weeks ahead. I just want to say thanks again so much for hanging with me, as you always do on each and every episode of Rob Observations, uh, digging out these gems. Trust me, there's more to come. I am so excited to share them with you. We're, we're back to kind of a, 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 a more controlled format that we got away from uh, with, the, with that Valentino episode. Uh, again, I, I got a little emotional and, and just felt like it was best if we just kind of, uh, kind of, kind of said goodbye at that point at that time. But um, I have different platforms I would love for you to reach out and join me on, and I'm going to share those with you. But first, I'm going to share with you these incredible uh, reviews that you have been uh, blasting me with. I, I can't even begin to tell you how touched I am. I, I am so uh, just incredibly moved. Uh, I, like I said, I hadn't looked at them in a long time and I because I, I had been backed up with people reaching me through other platforms on Twitter, on Facebook, sending me reviews and stuff to read. And, uh, and so I just, I'm so thankful when you guys leave, leave reviews on the Apple platform, it helps us stand out so, so much. And I've got to believe that these are contributing to some of the great success that we are experiencing right now. And I, I am so thrilled and thankful that you are, um, taking your time. I know it takes time to, to get on that keyboard and pop that review and, and, and send it. And I, and I just appreciate it so much. We read these at the end of each and every show or the middle or whenever. And today I'm going to read one from T-A-G-O-E-X. Tag OX. It says excitement. He gives us five stars. Rob, I love listening to your podcast. The excitement is contagious from your excitement. You remind me of Stan Lee and his excitement as a creator. So it is great to listen to you. I get so pumped up when I listen to your podcast about creating comics and it makes me want to. I love when you deep dish about the creating of comics. All the love. Tag OX. Hey. I, I am so touched, so moved. Thank you, Tag. I so enjoy that you're enjoying it. That That is the bottom line. Um, super thrilled uh, that you participate in this show. I'm going to give it, I'm going to do two reviews today. Uh, thank you, Tag. Thank you for that generation, generous review. Thank you for ca- talking about the excitement and giving us five stars. We are next up with NI123. 0084. I'm going to read his full name at the end. I see it right here. It says, Rob is comics, all caps, gives us five stars. Thank you. It says, Observations is by far the best podcast for co- the best podcast for comics, comics history, and amazing industry stories. Rob embodies comics, and you can tell he was born and destined for this industry. His passion and love for comics is infectious. Rob is a natural host and one of the most entertaining guys in our industry. Rob Observations should be a prerequisite for all creators starting in the comic book industry. We need more Rob Liefelds in comics. We need more alphas in comics. And Rob is one of the top alphas for sure. You learned so much from this show. Thank you for this podcast, Rob. We love you, brother. Niall Scala. Scala. Uh, I, I did his uh, show with Billy Tucci right before the holidays. Niall, thank you so much. He's from Pop XP. Thank you so much. You should listen to that show. He and Billy run a great show, Pop XP, uh, look it up. Look up Billy Billy Tucci show. Nile Scala S C A L give S C A L A. Give them a search. Check out their backlog. They have done a tremendous job of, of of doing so many great interviews and getting the word out and spreading the love. And I had such a great time uh, on their show. Right as we were going to break and didn't do this podcast for about uh, six weeks. Thank you, Nile. 
Thank you, Tag. Again, when you want to share your enthusiasm uh, with us, and, and writing a review is is such a great way to do it. And I am so appreciative. And I just thank you. And we'll continue to read these and share these as you guys share them. Again, all my gratitude. This show is uh, exists only because of you and your feedback. I was ready to call it in after the first year. And here we are. We are still chug a lugging along. Thank you. I am all over social media. As many of you know, I am on the uh, platform formerly known as Twitter. It's called X. I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D. Full name, at Robert Liefeld. I love uh, chatting with you. We are in the sports world. There's sports hate to be shared. Uh, There's tons of shit talking to be engaged in. I love it. Uh, Also, comic books, pop culture, everything. Look, I'm really caught up in sports right now, so, you know, excuse me. I am all over the platform formerly known as Twitter. I I just got to keep referring to it as Twitter. X is where you can find me. I read your mentions. I read your replies. I love going back and forth with you, talking with you guys about, again, pop culture, sports, comic books, uh, superheroes, the history of comics. I I, I use the platform quite a bit to to promote this show. And I just, it's where I get so much of your feedback. Thank you for following me. Spread the word. If you want to catch me again, I love interacting with people. Look for me at Robert Liefeld, the full name R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D on X. On Instagram, I am at Rob Liefeld. Both my X handle and my Instagram handle have blue checks signifying that I am uh, the verifiable real deal. I'm the true guy. Uh, I, I am legit. And and I, I love uh, sharing my life with you on Instagram with my pictures of my travels, my friends, my food, uh, my family, my art. Thank you so much for following me. Again, I read your mentions, your replies, your DMs. There's, such, there's just so many great ways that we can all communicate. And I, I enjoy that first and foremost across both of these platforms. At Rob Liefeld is my Instagram. Get that uh, blue check to make sure it's really me. Then give me a follow. Love to see you over there on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. Want to invite you to our outstanding Facebook group. It's called Rob Liefeld. Marvel Extreme and Beyond. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond. We are just growing leaps and bounds, and I give a lot of previews of the work that I do and, and the co- the covers, the pages. Uh, you're going to see a lot concerning my, 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 my new stuff over there very soon. Hop on over. Uh, myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. He is one of my, uh, he's the only other administrator on the page. We will be the ones that click you through. It's a great atmosphere. It's nice. People play nice. We don't put up with any drama. It's a really great place. We talk comics. Terry runs an art contest on the regular weekly polls. Uh, it's just a fun, fun place to hang out. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of our group, and I hope to see you there soon. There is this incredible app. It's called Whatnot. I got on about a year and a half ago, and I can't get away from it. Uh, I have weekly shows on Whatnot. Whatnot is where you want to go for your signed comics, your exclusive variants, your trading cards, your sports gear, your uh, your action figures, your Funko Pops. It, it's all on there. So many different retailers are, are offering different uh, categories of toys and comics. You can get modern comics. You can get back issues. We are uh, selling Rob Liefeld-themed exclusives, variants. Uh, so much of my work, uh, especially so much of the exclusives that we are bringing through you just through whatnot. My new book, Last Blood, is only going to be available through uh, 
through whatnot. It is going to be through my live stream only. You're going to want to sign up, follow me, Rob Life. I'll get the app, download it. And when you're not shopping, buying other trading cards and Funko Pops and toys, uh, look me up. I'm Rob Liefeld. Follow me. You'll get notified when we go live on our shows. We, we, we're, we're, we're preparing to do a lot of shows very soon, as soon as I get uh, the Last Blood comics in, as soon as I get my Thundercats uh, variants and all the other different exclusives and variants that I have coming my, coming uh, my way to share with you. It is me live on the on the live stream, during the live stream. When we do them, we do them generally twice a week, probably going to be bumping up to three times a week. I am staring right at you through the through the uh, the portal. I am either sitting on my giant beanbag or I am sitting at my desk. I love hanging with you guys, talking with you guys. It is super fun. Uh, I love the interaction. There's 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 ongoing dialogue the entire time. This app is fantastic. Uh, the guys at Whatnot are great. Follow me on Whatnot. Get notified when I go live with a new show. I, I have, again, signed and, and remarked toys, Funkos, comics, exclusive variants, and I want to share them with you so much. We have a great rating. We, uh, we have great fast shipping. We have a five-star rating. Look for us. Rob Liefeld on Whatnot. Give us that follow. Hey, I have a son. I have two sons, actually. I have two sons and a daughter. I love them all. They're, they are the absolute gems of my life. They are the best thing that ever happened to my, my wife and myself. We could not have been prouder of them. My son Chase decided to pursue the arts. He got Chank and Dunk, which became this acclaimed and very highly rated movie on the Disney Channel. It's still up there, which 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 tells you uh, after one year, uh, it wouldn't be up there if it didn't do numbers, if it didn't have the burn. Chank and Dunk was phenomenal, and Chase is great in it. Everyone is great in it. He's in Wolfpack, which is on Paramount+. And we await the news of Wolfpack's future, and we'll be sharing it with you the minute it breaks. Uh, Wolfpack is a cool show. It has, uh, you know, Sarah Michelle Geller, and and uh, it was. I don't want to spoil it, but but uh, Chase is uh, kind of a key player in the Wolfpack show. Just some incredible acting that that, that he put forth. Well, he has his first fe- first feature film. We're going to see him on the big screen on Friday, January nineteenth, which brings me to you a great funny rom com based on a best selling book. The trailers are fantastic. It looks like just amazing craft was put into this. It's bouncy. It's funny. Uh, Lucy Hale is the star. She is the star of the of the rom-com. It hits theaters January 19th. Chase is in both trailers that they've shown. Uh, I, I don't want to give too much away. It's really fun. He's 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 got his role to play in the film. The, the, the film is anchored and starring uh, uh, Lu, 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 Lucy Hale. She, she really is. Um, she, she, she's the main attraction, but... Uh, I think you'll have fun. I'm so proud of him. Chase Liefeld, you go, boy. You keep getting it. You are working your ass off. Being in the arts is hard. And I have a, a son who has uh, applied everything he has towards this. And I could not be uh, more more ex- ex- excited for him. I think Nat Wolf is the other uh, major lead in the in, in the uh, in in the movie. So uh, forgive me if if I pronounce mispronounced anybody's name. But which brings me to you. Chase Liefeld making his big screen debut. We could not be happier and more excited. And, and of course, I'm going to pro- promote it on my podcast. What are you even thinking? Uh, hey, stay tuned for news of The Last Blood. It's going to hit you before you know it. And those Thundercats covers, thank you. Thank you for that incredible response. I certainly did not see it coming. I'm so grateful. I can't wait to get these and more Thundercats covers uh, into your hands. Oh, man, what a thrill. What I am just having the best time making comics. And again, I wish I could tell you of all the other stuff that I'm involved with right now, but I can't. 
it's just not time yet, but we are, we are absolutely uh, moving everything in the right direction for the maximum enjoyment of, of all of us. And, and I can't wait to share it with you very soon. You know, as always, I hope that your mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional health are where they need, where they need to be. And if they're not, take that break. Uh, take some time off for yourself. Get a cheat day. Watch a great sci-fi movie. Read a great graphic novel, a comic book, a no, uh, just a regular novel book. Go see a movie with your friends. Go out to dinner. Go have Italian, Mexican. Go have pokey like my kids. They, they eat so much pokey. Holy crap. Uh, you know, what if, is it burgers? Is it fries? I don't know. I know meals and spending time with my family and indulging uh, in, in, in my passions really turn it for me all the time, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and I'm wishing the same for you. And you bet you need to work some some candy in there. Get your favorite candy bar. Are you a Snickers guy, an M&M's guy, a Hershey's? Are you, uh, are you, are you a $100,000 bar? Are, are, you, are you a Mr. Good bar? Mr. Good bar, number two behind my obsession with Reese's peanut butter. Big cups. Holy crap, there's caramel in them now. Caramel, you know, cocoa puffs, pretzels, potato chips. I mean, those pieces at Reese's. I got so much Reese's Big Cups for Christmas. I feel like I'm stocked for the year. Thank you to everybody. Again, I'm going to say English Jimmy. You you stoked me with my giant M&M. I mean, my, 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 my giant Reese's peanut butter. It's like a gun, a gun's worth of peanut butter cups. Would you be surprised if I told you that I've already gone through half of it? Don't be. Guys, just the bottom line is uh, set, set your, you know, set your passions free, indulge in yourself, uh, get away from the grind and, uh, and don't take that indulging yourself the wrong way. Okay. Hey, uh, please, I'm rooting for you. Fist bump. Boom. Come back around. You know, I'm going to be here. I, 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 I have another session with this mic. It's coming more episodes. Do not leave me here all alone. Come back. Look me up. We will most certainly, absolutely, and inevitably talk again real soon. 